Howdy, Fat Guy Forum listeners. Before we get into this week's episode, just a reminder that there is a great way for you to support the podcast and keep it going, and that's by joining the Fat Guy Forum Patreon that you can find at patreon.com slash gourmetgoesketo. I use all the funds from the Patreon to go for the subscriptions and equipment that are used on the podcast, and if you join now, you will have the opportunity to be a part of helping decide the direction of the podcast as we dive into some new topics and try out a few new things. So I look forward to having you on board. Sign up today. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet. I am excited to once again have you joining us on this amazing journey we call life here in the Fat Guy Forum. And it's exciting. We're coming up on the second anniversary of the podcast, so watch for some news on that soon. But I am, you know, I often say I'm excited to talk to guests, but this person that we're having on tonight is someone who I discovered way back, and I, I say that as the probably still the oldest person on the podcast, but way back. And, you know, my the first leg of my journey uh, I remember being inspired by him, and he still continues to, you know, show us all that transformation is possible. And his name is Jordan Graham. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm excellent, man. I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, it's so cool that we, you know, go so far back, um, kind of in this world. So I really, I really love that. Yeah, no, and it's kind of wild because I, I literally just sprung that on him. Two seconds before we talked, I'm like, I remember, I remember following along with everything you were doing years ago, and like, it's nice to see people still out there grinding and doing the work, and like you were saying to me, you know, kind of paying it forward. So we're gonna, we're gonna get to all of that, but we gotta get started at the beginning, man. So let's get into that first question that I always ask, and that's, tell us, Jordan, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Great question. So I, I'm qualified to be here on the Fat Guy Forum. As someone who battled with obesity for over 21 years of my life, um, always I remember just being a heavy kid growing up. I was always just much bigger than all of my peers, just significantly heavier, you know, ate more food. I seemed to just love food. And I was always uncomfortable with my body and my size. And it was something that kind of, I felt was just a life sentence. I felt like that was just how I'm going to be. That's how I was and that nothing would ever change, even if I tried to change it. So, you know, growing up, I remember I was just so much bigger than everyone. And I felt so uncomfortable if we had like a pool day or a beach day, you know, we're, we're in Southern California. So that was a thing, um, you know, growing up, I, I remember like, one of the teachers, I think it was like kindergarten, I want to say, like took us to the beach. And I, even at that young age, I remember I kept my shirt on, you know, all the other kids, the guys were taking off their shirts and I just was not uh, comfortable with that. And it just kind of continued through my childhood and adolescence, um, just, you know, being heavy. And I just remember I loved food, you know, it was one of those things where I distinctly recall as a little kid when there was like peanut butter and jelly sandwich time during recess, you know, every kid would go and get one and eat it or, and then go play, but I would get one and then come back around and circle around. And as many times as I could get another peanut butter and jelly, I was in, you know, it was, uh, and I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. 
I just thought, hey, this is tasty and it feels good. And so, you know, it was uh, kind of a, it's just something, it's like one of the memories that I have from so long ago of food just being kind of there for me when, you know, maybe nothing else, I don't want to say nothing, I didn't have a, a terrible upbringing, but, you know, it was the one constant, I would say. So, yeah, and, and I just recall, you know, by the time I started high school, I was 13 years old and I was five foot nine and 290 pounds. And back then, you know, uh, it wasn't as common to have kids to be that, that big and that heavy. And when I showed up at my high school, they immediately were like, oh man, you're going to play football. And I didn't even know that I was going to go to that school yet. It was a private school there, you know, there was like a test to get in and figure out where you go. And the coach just looked at me and he said, don't worry about that. Look, you know, look how big you are. You're going to be great. Um, and so it was interesting because then I kind of thought maybe I do have a place and maybe, you know, this size that I thought was a curse that's going to plague me for my whole life, that maybe it's a good thing. Um, which I was kind of led to believe, you know. Um, and yeah, it was, it was challenging because obviously in football you have to run, right? And <laughs> I, my body was not ready for that. And I was just, you know, it was really painful. It was really difficult. I remember, you know, the first few practices, I wanted to throw in the towel. I just figured like this is totally not going to work for me. I'm just way too heavy and out of shape, but the coaches kind of, they told me, you know, if you keep doing it, if you keep practicing, and I always use this line, it comes from my buddy, Chris Bell, uh, you get bigger, stronger, and faster, right? And you got to just keep working at it. And so I, I listened and they did tell me though, you know, back then, just get as big as you can. Like they didn't, they didn't care necessarily if it was muscle or body fat. They just said, just keep getting bigger. Like, you know, you're 290, you need to be 300. You need to be 300 plus. And so as, you know, someone who grew up with a problem with food, right? That was like, you're giving me a green light to just keep keep doing this? Oh, yeah, okay. they, op they opened that door. Right, right. So, I mean, of course, we're like, as and especially at 13, you're not going to just think about like, oh, but what about the health ramifications? What about, you know, the future? you're going to say, Hey, this is what I like to do. This is what I'm so used to doing. I'm going to just run through that door slowly. Um, <laughs> you know, so it, uh, it, it became a thing, you know, I was training, I was practicing for football. I actually did start lifting weights, uh, very briefly and I was getting bigger and stronger and a little bit faster. And then right before my 14th birthday, my mom passed away. And it was out of nowhere. It was sudden. And it really just devastated me. I mean, you know, that kind of a loss, uh, it, it's hard to even like fully grasp it as a young person. But I was just so depressed. And I continued to eat. But then I stopped, you know, I quit the football team. I didn't want to listen to you know, what the coach had to say or take orders. Right. Um, and I just kept eating and I think, you know, it accelerated from there even more than what I would eat during football days. 
and it just kept kind of spiraling. You know, now, now we know like, you know, guys, guys like us, we knew that there's a lot of calories in the food we eat, right? Like we, we had an idea, but we didn't really know like what we didn't quantify it. And now going back, I look at what I ate and I'm like, well, no wonder I got so big. I mean, it was just an incredible, I mean, I couldn't eat that right now. If, you know, if someone told me, all right, do one day of your, your former diet. And I'm not sure how you are with that, but I mean, it, it's just not possible. I mean, or it would just make me, you know, it, it, you'd get sick and you'd feel terrible. So it was, um, you know, when I look back and I just like do, you know, someone said, Hey, do a, do a log of like, what did you eat? you know, in a typical day and it was bordering like 10,000 calories. And that was just a typical day. That was just, you know, and with zero activity. So, you know, by the time I graduated high school, not playing football, not doing any sports, I was 17 years old when I finished and I was over 400 pounds. And, you know, also at that weight, especially, you know, I, I'm going to age myself here a bit. I graduated in 2004 from high school. So there weren't really that many scales available. Like when you went to get on a scale at the gym or in the locker room or, you know, like they didn't go that high. And, you know, the only time if you went to a doctor, they would actually have to put you on a special scale that was like in another room because, or maybe even another part of the facility. And, so needless to say, I didn't really weigh in very frequently because when you, when you know it's going to be bad news, right, you just, you know, they're going to tell you some stuff. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to curse, but, uh, you know, that's no, okay. <laughs> okay. So, so, you know, they're going to say some shit, right? When you get on the scale and they see that number, so you avoid it. And I just know that, you know, up until like when I went into the doctor I would be kind of clueless and I would just tell them, like, I don't really want to know what it says. You know, I know it's bad. And I'm sure, you know, you and, and probably a lot of folks who are listening can identify with this. You can go in to the doctor when, when you're that weight. Uh, and maybe it's changed now. But back then, anything you went in there for was completely, they were just like, well, you're way too heavy and you need to lose weight. Right. That was, that was their answer to anything. Oh yeah. I, th I think that's probably still the same for a lot of people right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy of then you just go, well, then I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm not going to, you know, I, why am I going to put myself through that? Because I know what they're going to say. I know that, you know, if I come in there and I say that my foot hurts or my back or whatever, or, you know, or I have strep throat, they're going to say, oh, well, you need to lose weight. It's like, what? What the hell does that have to do with it? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was just what I thought was a life sentence. And I thought that this was just what was going to be for me and that I would just be heavy. And, con and it continued. You know, I definitely, I think I ended up weighing over uh, what I saw, I one time, and I actually didn't even know I was this heavy until later when I was moving, I found a piece of paper from a doctor visit and the scale weight, it said 421 pounds. I always thought I was under 400. 
you know, before that. And I saw that and I figured, dang, like I, knowing what I know, I probably was over that at one point too, but just, you just don't get on the scale. So, and, and what was, what was your life like then? Like, what was it, you know, kind of not just like that big picture of, of knowing you were big and kind of feeling like this was your life sentence. Like what was your day-to-day mm-hmm. -day life like? Well, after high school, uh, you know, in high school, I had a hard time, especially just being that big, still dealing with depression. I was, you know, trying to escape reality. So recreational drugs, drinking, uh, poor decisions uh, were, were pretty much my standard because I just didn't care about the future. So my day-to-day -day life was a reflection of that. And I'd like to think that I'm an intelligent guy. Uh, I was always pretty good at school, but I then stopped applying myself. I stopped putting in effort because I didn't think, okay, I need to go to college and get a good job. I just didn't care. So I was in a really dark place uh, for all those years. And then once I graduated high school, I ended up going to college. And I, you know, at that time, it felt just like 13th grade and I was just sick of it. So I left and I actually went and got a real estate license and I was a commercial and industrial real estate agent here in LA for several years. And, and I did great business-wise, but I was still you know, in that same cycle of eating. And when you're a real estate agent, especially doing these types of you know, I would I worked in downtown Los Angeles and I was dealing with all these people who you got to take them to dinner. You got to have drinks. You got to, you know, entertain these people in order to do your job. And so I just kept eating and I kept, you know, I just kept, it was, it was just like par for the course. And every day I would have, you know, food from out. I didn't know how to cook. So I would eat food from, you know, multiple restaurants in a day. And when I think back, I'm like, man, back then, you know, I would go to the drive-thru all the time. That was just like a standard. And back then, and this was 2007, 2008, and I would spend $20 on one meal for myself in the drive-thru, which it doesn't go quite as far these days. But back then, you know, that was a ton of food. That was like, it was a ton and uh, it was just one of those things that I just, that was my default. You know, I didn't really know anything else. So, I, but I remember, you know, my work every now and then I had to go like measure a industrial building and walk around the perimeter of it with the little measuring roller. And I dreaded those days more than anything because I wanted to make sure that I do it when there's no clients around and no people around. Because there's this, you know, 400-pound guy walking around in a suit trying to hide how big I was, sweating profusely and out of breath from walking, you know, the perimeter of a building. And so it was, it was miserable. Um, and, you know, at that point, I still, I wasn't thinking about the future. I didn't really care whether I woke up the next day. I was just still so depressed. And, and I figured that, you know, this was kind of my own way of slowly killing myself because obviously, you know, when you go to the doctor and they 
see you at that weight, they tell you, and they were, they didn't pull any punches. They would tell me like, you're going to die. You are going to die. You're not going to make it to 30. You're going to have a heart attack. And on the way there, you're going to get diabetes. You're going to, you know, you're going to lose a foot, all the things that they try to scare you with, which, but I mean, I, and I get it now. I understand where they're coming from. Now, I don't necessarily know that it's an effective approach, but I, I see it. Um, so it was really just, it was just that cycle. You know, I would just eat and any type of celebration or any kind of milestone was just like another, an excuse to eat even more or eat, you know, from a, you know, a, a more abundant source of food. Like, oh, we're going to the buffet or we're going to the all-you-can-eat steakhouse or whatever it was. Um, and, and I just was in such a terrible place mentally where every day I was suffering. And I guess the biggest thing that is that I really was convinced that my entire life would play out that way until it was over. That was just like, yeah. I thought like I'm doomed to this. But I kept doing it to myself. You know yeah. what I mean? And do you th do you think? Because I'm, you know, because I we know obviously eventually change came. But during that time, because you were in that headspace and kind of on that track, where you know you had had all these things happen, and it had become this this your norm. You know, okay, this is just what's going to happen. You know, doctors can try to scare me, but it's not changing anything. Had you ever really had you ever given any thought to making change, or was it just more? I'm on this path. This is the path that I'm on. You know, I tried a few times. I did. And more when my mom was still alive. Um, you know, she was really trying to push for me to get healthy and to make some changes. And, you know, I tried. And then I remember my father also. He, he saw me, you know, and I lived at his house at this point, And he knew that I needed to make change. He hired a personal trainer who would come over and try to put me through the workouts, which I just then started to hate her, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> oh, yeah. how, how the tables have turned. Mm -hmm. um, but I tried, but I think, you know, because of where my mindset was, it didn't matter how great of, and she might've been the most incredible trainer with the most knowledge and, you know, the most, tools as far as telling me what to eat. I just wasn't ready to receive and implement that information. So it didn't work, you know, and it didn't stick. And I think that it really, for me, it took literally like a life or death wake up call for me to go, I got to fix this. And I, and I realized that I do have the power to do it, even if it's going to be incredibly difficult. I mean, no, there's, you know, as someone who's done it themselves, you know, this shit is hard. And there's really no, like, you can have tools, you can have support, you can have all the things in the world that can help. But in the end, it's that hard work and consistency and time, especially to undo so many years of the patterns that we had gotten so used to. And, and I think it's, it also takes like you're, you're talking about, like it takes shifting from that place of kind of accepting fate 
to realizing that there was something there to fight for, you know, like, see, like, and like you, for you, you know, it's a, a literal life or death situation. Like, why don't you, why don't you take us into that? Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, I always say, I do really like to kind of hammer this point home. So people who've heard my story or maybe they're sick of this story, but it's so important because for me, that's what it took. It literally took, it was a moment of impact to literally just change my entire perspective and shake me to my core and show me that life is worth living. And so I hope that people who hear it, who may be kind of experiencing the way that I was living before, don't have to get to that point. They don't have to go through something that's so rattling. And, you know, in, in this case, it wasn't, it was just the freak, it was a car accident, right? It was a freak occurrence that it could happen to anyone, but that's what it took. So I'll tell you a little bit about the background. I was on my way home. And I had this car that I loved. It was my first car. And it was all souped up. Um, but I had just spent the whole day unsouping it up because I was going to sell it the next day. I had it all worked out. It was, you know, ready to bring it in in the morning, trade it in for the new car. So we spent the whole day at my friend's garage taking off all the parts that were modified and putting back the original ones. And as I'm about to leave my friend's garage... I told him, I said, hey, man, the airbag light went on here, and I don't know how to fix that. Do you know, you know, do you think they're going to char- like take some money off my trade-in when I bring it in with that? I, like, I didn't even think about the implication of, like, it's an airbag, and that's a major safety system in the car. I just thought, you know, what if they ding me for 500 bucks? I don't want that. So he, he hooked his computer up to the car. He's, this guy's a, a genius. Uh, and it's funny because now he's into health and fitness as well. So he hooked his computer up and he said, oh, it says that your airbag wasn't plugged in right. Let's take a look. So he pops open the steering wheel. There's a big yellow clip, uh, you know, electronic clip that you plug it in, and it was just unplugged. So he went ahead and plugged it back in, and he put it back, and he reset the thing on the computer. The light went off. I went on my way. I'm driving home after a few hours of driving in the canyons, having fun, and all of a sudden I see these lights coming straight towards me. Car hits me head on, just head on. And, you know, there's nothing you can do at that point. And I remember I get out of the car from the passenger side. I had to climb out because the driver's side was completely smashed. Uh, And the airbag had gone off and saved me from going through the windshield. And the first thing I said when I get out of the car, you know, people rush to the scene. Are you okay? Because it was a violent accident. And I go, I was going to fucking trade this car in tomorrow. (laughs) That was the only, I wasn't even thinking about like the airbag just came out and prevented me from like dying right there. And, you know, it was like, that was where my mind was. And I was like, wait a second. I also, I can't move my left arm like at all. No matter what I tell my, you know, you're trying to move, it just won't move. And like my right wrist, it seems like it's kind of messed up. It turned out that it was broken. Um, So they called the paramedics. They came and it took six paramedics to lift the stretcher up into the ambulance with me on it. And they were literally talking about me like if I was a zoo animal. 
you know, this guy's so big. I can't believe we're going to break our backs. I can't believe we, you know, call us out here for this. And like, he's just so fat and so he, and it was, I mean, I was awake. I was conscious. I was answering questions. And, you know, when I was in that ambulance, I just thought to myself, like, what if that airbag didn't come out? You know, that, that was a sign. That was like, someone's looking out for me. And because it could have easily not been that way. And so I realized, like, I got to do something. I can't just keep destroying my own life and myself. And, you know, I basically vowed and told myself, as soon as I get back, as soon as I get out of the hospital or whatever is going to happen next, I have to change my routine. I have to stop this spiral that I was in. And I will never forget that, you know, the, the crash, I think it was about 3 a.m. So I got to the hospital. They reset my shoulder, which was separated. Uh, they, you know, put a thing on my wrist that was broken and they eventually sent me home. I went to sleep. And when I woke up, I just took my dog, Blackberry, and I just said, we're, we're doing this. And I went and I walked to the bottom of the hill that we lived on which was half a mile from our house. And then I had to get back home. So I had to come back and it was one mile and it took us literally an hour, maybe even more than an hour. So, you know, I always tell people like, go put your treadmill at 1.0 and that's the speed that we were at. That, that was it. And it was excruciating, man. I mean, I was, you know, besides the fact that I had just been in a major car accident, it was all banged up. I mean, just on my legs and my joints being that heavy on a hill. And it had a pretty good incline. Um, and I was miserable. And I was in a sling. I mean, it was everything that, you know, could be happening was happening. But I also knew that literally just taking that first walk, that was going to be the game changer. Because no walk will ever be that hard. You know, no step, no matter what it is can compare to how difficult that was to just kind of start. And then the momentum starts to build. And I think that that's one of the things that can apply for so many people. You know, it's not pretty. It's not like exciting and, you know, glorious. I literally took a walk with my dog for an hour and went one mile an hour. But it was such a profound impact because it started that, cycle instead of going downwards it started to spiral upwards and i think that people need to you know find their own walk with the dog whatever it is whatever it looks like and to to really understand that like it doesn't matter what it is even it doesn't matter the the modality you know it doesn't matter if you do a zumba class or if you like whatever it is that you get moving coming from not moving, you're going to start that like positive ripple effect. And so for me, it was, you know, that walk, it turned into, I just put aside an hour a day, every day, I'm going to walk the dog. She loved it. I mean, she got in great shape. Uh, and eventually, you know, the, the exercise portion in that same hour, I was able to cover four miles and, you know, start jogging. I mean, obviously this was once the weight started coming off, but it was just like, okay, I have an hour. 
no matter what else is going on in my day, we can all find some time. And that also doesn't have to be a consecutive hour, right? You can break this up into little increments. But I just knew every day I have to commit to myself to put that hour of work in. And I mean, for movement, that was really all I needed at that time. So it was, it was huge. And, you know, all my neighbors would see me walking on this hill with Blackberry, the dog, and I made a lot of friends. Uh, I actually met my now wife while I was doing these walks. And, you know, but I mean, it was just, it was such a big shift uh, in, in just moving my body. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie, like, it hurt still, you know. There were still times when, like, I was sore from just walking and I did not want to go. But I knew that I had made that commitment. Plus, it helps to have, like, an accountability partner of a dog who's going to look at you and be like, what the hell? You're not taking me outside, you know. <laughs> um, so that was really, it literally started the day after that accident. And I also knew at the same time, you know, the way I was eating and the way I was using food, I had to change it. I could not continue to eat the 10,000 calories, which I still didn't know that it was 10,000 calories, but I figured, you know, it's enough food to keep me this heavy. It, it can't be good. So that was my other kind of mission that coincided with that was I had to learn what to eat. And I, it almost was in the beginning for me, it was more of learning what not to eat, you know, just cutting out. The first thing was soda. I mean, I didn't even drink diet soda because I was just so, I was used to drinking so much soda that I just didn't want to have that. Like, I don't think I even drank anything with bubbles, like not bubbly water, nothing, because I just wanted to have such a, you know, shift away from what I was doing and cutting out the fast food that was huge. It was just like my, and I, it's like my car was on autopilot to just go into the drive-through. You know, there's when you, you have like those certain spots, you're like, Oh, when I'm coming up to the street, I just turn right in here and like, or I make that left and I hit the Carl's jr. Or whatever, you know, it's like you just go on autopilot and I had to like correct myself. I had to, I remember like pulling I was leaving, uh, when I went back to college, I was leaving the campus and I just found myself like about to make a left into Carl's Jr. And I'm like, no, like you can't do that. And I'm not saying that there's no options that could work, right? But at that time with where I was, it, I was not ready to know what options could work. I just knew that I cannot put myself in that position. You know what I mean? So... It was, uh, it was like relearning. I had to figure out like, okay, if I can't go to the drive-thru, where can I, because again, I didn't cook. Right, I was going to say. Yeah, I, I had no idea how to cook. You know, my, my mom cooked for us before, uh, and then when she passed, like, my dad just kind of relied on takeout or, you know, his second wife would cook, and so I just never really knew. So... I started finding restaurants that did have some healthy options. I found stuff that would, you know, I, I still didn't really understand calories or macros or anything like that yet when I first started, but I knew if I went and got like 
some rotisserie chicken breast, and some vegetables on the side, it's going to be a hell of a lot better than eating four double cheeseburgers with extra mayonnaise, you know? So it was making those substitutions, and I started shopping at Whole Foods, which took a ton of my money, but it also taught me a lot because I started to see that, you know, I would go to their little prepared food section, right? And it was great, but also it was like, $16 for one little baked chicken breast. And uh, eventually I figured, okay, I have an oven. You know, I can buy chicken. I can put it in the oven. It's th That's exactly what they did, except they're charging me five times the price. Um, so, you know, it took a lot of trial and error. And I'm sure, you know, anyone who's started cooking from not cooking at all, you make mistakes. You make some stuff that tastes terrible. You make some stuff that's not even edible, but eventually you start to kind of find that rhythm. And it took, I'm trying to remember time-wise, like how long after I started, did I really start cooking my own food? And I think it was like a good six months. Um, and, you know, it was interesting because back then, I make it seem like it's so long ago, but, you know, there was not really that much information and community on the internet for people going through these kind of lifestyle changes. It was just not really out there. So I kind of was looking and I had found some, you know, forums back then that had some community. People would post their food, people would post their workouts. It was more like bodybuilding oriented. Um, but it was hard to kind of like find other people like me. And that's why I think it's so cool now with, I mean, mainly through Instagram, I would say, you know, that's how we connected. Um, but just to like find there's so many people who are having their own journey and sharing it and putting it out there and supporting one another, which I think is incredible. I mean, it's, it's literally, it's like a whole new world of information and support and accountability that, I mean, I wish it was there, you know, back then, but I'm so glad that now this is a thing. And what, I'm, I'm curious, because what do you think kept your head in it during that time? Like getting, to going through that, like having to figure out food and, you know, keep the walking going. Like, what do you think really was the shift that kept you focused on what you were doing? I mean, for me, it literally was life or death. And I, I just, I knew that I cannot go back to the way I was doing things. I cannot go back to that place where I didn't care if I woke up the next day. And I think that that mentality that I was in and that mindset all those habits were just like remnants or, you know, reminders of it. So I knew that I could not go back there. I knew that I couldn't allow those habits to creep back in, even though I was so used to them. And so to keep my head in the game, I just was like, I had this second opportunity at life, basically. You know, I, I always think like, what if that airbag didn't come out? I don't know. 
you know, maybe I would have gone through the windshield. Maybe I was too heavy to go. Like, I don't know. But that thought, you know, that I do have this opportunity is really what kept me going. And then, you know, that was like the overreaching theme. But of course, you know, there's like the boost of self-confidence that you get when you, you're feeling better, you're looking better, you're getting out in the world and talking to people and meeting people and talking to girls and, you know, like life was so much better and it's kind of like a snowball effect. And, you know, people think like, oh, if I just lose the weight, I'm going to be happy. And that's not it. It's that the things that you learn about yourself and the work that you're putting in while losing the weight, because it's, as we talked about, the shit is hard. That is what makes you happy, I think. And that is what kind of leads you to, to see like the bigger picture of, you know, we're, we're never done. So it was like, whenever I would get discouraged or think like, oh, you know, I still have so much left to go. And I just would think about like, it's always going to be that way. You know, I don't think there's ever going to be a point for, for most people who undergo massive weight loss or, or any type of transformation, really. You know, there's so many different ways to transform our lives. I don't think anyone ever is just like, okay, I've hit the finish line and I'm done. And I think that that's kind of a powerful thing because that allows us to want more and that allows us to you know, find different ways to challenge ourselves and, and test ourselves. Not to say that we aren't proud of what we've done, right? Because we've done it and it's definitely something to be proud about. But I think it's just having that perspective to know that there's always going to be more to do mm-hmm. and, and that it's not a bad thing. Right. You know? And there was more for you to do. Like where, where do things go for you? You know, once the, the weight loss and your activity started really being able to pick up, like where did things go for you from there, man? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's so interesting because when I look back, like I had no idea where it would go. Right. Which was so cool. Um, I ended up, and I actually just posted about this today. I joined a gym basically kind of out of convenience, uh, because I worked out in a hotel gym and I realized that I was okay to do that without my routine. And once I joined the gym, I realized like, I really want to get stronger because I had no idea that, you know, just losing the weight was not going to get me to be able to do push-ups and pull-ups and be athletic in the ways that I was like, Hey, maybe that's possible. I tried to do a pull-up when I got, I got to my lightest weight. I was 209 pounds, which I haven't seen that weight in a long time, and I don't remember when I saw it, um, you know, as a kid. I mean, I must have been eight or nine or, you know, it was just, I was so light, and I went to try to do a pull-up, and there was just no way in hell that I was going to pull myself up. So I realized, okay, I need to get stronger. So I joined the gym. I immediately, I paid for a, a year of personal training up front. I just was like, I want to know what to do. I want to be fully committed and, you know, putting money on the line, I think is a really big tool if you can do it because you're going to show up, you're going to get your money's worth. And I learned, you know, and I had a trainer who he kind of explained to me like, look, man, like it's not just about being skinny, like you can get strong and you can 
challenge yourself. And like, I mean, this guy, he was uh, working on his doctor of physical therapy degree. And he told me, he's like, the way you're built is built to lift weights. It's not just to like, you know, walk and hike and run. You should lift and you could probably get pretty strong. And I was like, that's awesome. I'm going to try that. So uh, I went all in, you know, I started focusing on getting stronger, building muscle and just taking it, you know, bit by bit, I was able to, to do that where I put on, I want to say probably like 40 pounds of muscle, uh, between that 209 and my heaviest, uh, post 209. And, you know, I got exponentially stronger. I was able to do the pull-ups and the dips and, and all the exercises that kind of intimidated me at first. And it's been really cool. I've competed in powerlifting. I've ran a few half marathons. I've competed in bodybuilding. I train now, you know, in Gold's Gym in Venice, which is like the mecca of bodybuilding. I'm right there with the pros and, you know, we're going back and forth. Uh, Arnold is working in sometimes, you know, <laughs> And it's just like, I never, ever would have imagined that that's where this would take me. Because in the beginning, I just was like, I don't want to die early. That was like, that was the overreaching theme of like everything that I'm doing. So to be able to, you know, kind of branch out and find these different ways of challenging myself um, and also like meeting so many cool people through doing that. Um, it's been incredible. You know, it's just been like, it's been, I can't even put it into words. It's like so cool that, you know, when you meet someone, let's say who's doing a powerlifting competition, they have their whole own background story or what they've gone through and what they've overcome to get to that same platform that you're up there on. And, you know, it goes for everything. So I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Um, and I think that's yeah. important. Like, I, I think, because I think one of the things that you'll probably agree with is eventually when that, when you realize it's a life or death choice you're making and you're, you're committed to living, that you eventually reach a point where it's not about life or death anymore. You know, that motivation to survive isn't as urgent because now you know you're going to survive. So if you don't find something else to kind of almost fill that space, some other motivation. Like I like to talk about, like I, I say that like my why for making change was that I wanted to live. I knew I was going to die if I didn't make change. I knew where I was headed. I knew I was going to find have something happen. You know, I was convinced I wasn't going to wake up. And so wanting to live was that why that drove me for years. But then you reach a point where you realize, okay, I'm alive and I'm healthy. What am I doing now? And, you know, so I, I in my head, it shifted from, okay, it's not just about living, it's about making the most of that life, thriving in that space now instead of just existing. Like, okay, I've earned a spot on the planet now, you know, I've done the work to do that, and now I need to figure out what comes next. And I think sometimes people lose sight of that, you know, especially I, I see it in people when they talk about kind of putting weight back on and dealing with that. A lot of times it's because it's not a life or death fight anymore, so it doesn't feel as urgent. So that it's a, they're able to allow other behaviors to come back into play because they don't feel like they need to be as vigilant because it's not as urgent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's, it's very typical, 
you know, especially, and, and this, you're talking to someone who I have definitely put weight back on since the lightest I've been, but I also know that it's not to a debilitating, you know, health concern. And so when I do that, and, and also it's scary because I remember the first time where I realized like, if I want to get to the certain body or certain strength levels, I actually have to eat more than I'm used to at this point and more than I'm comfortable with. And I have to look at the scale going up when I was like so used to seeing it go down and getting excited. And it's scary because you're not, it's, it's unknown. And I think until you realize that you don't really have to look over your shoulder for like the previous version of yourself, you know, you cannot, because it's, it's petrifying. If you're like, Hey, the previous version of myself scale was always going up. So once it's going up now, what does that mean? You know, is that guy coming back? And I think, like you said, you know, that sense of urgency, it can go away, but you also have to be vigilant and know, you know, like, for example, for me, like, I know that's not going to happen. So I know even if I put on 20 pounds or 40 pounds or whatever and get to a certain point, the behaviors and the mechanisms that had me where I was are no longer part of my life. And I think when people can trust themselves, then you don't get freaked out if, you know, okay, you see. As always with California, we have some technical issues, but Jordan is here <laughs> and he's back. Um, and he was on a, he was on a good, uh, on, a, on a good bender there talking about, you know, what, how things evolve and, and where things go and, you know, kind of that mindset evolution of, of how you have to handle, you know, that getting rid of that fear that the old you is there and, and realizing that those behaviors aren't there anymore. And you, you said something that really st stuck out to me, that idea of trusting yourself. I think especially for those of us that have struggled with our weight, you know, men or women, we've learned to not trust ourselves you know, through the, a lot of these processes we've been through, especially people that have been on that diet roller coaster, you know, you feel like you feel really secure and you see the weight coming back on and falling back into old patterns. And you're like, oh, well, you know, I couldn't make that change. You know, I went through that. I lost, you know, in tw from 2010 to 2013, I lost over 300 pounds and I put it all back on. And to me, then that became like an, a moment of defeat where, I said, well, I guess this is just what I'm meant to be, what I'm meant to do. And, you know, I had to kind of find, bring that fire back. Like, knowing that you learn to trust yourself, one of the things that I, I think is also exciting, because I see it happen to people, but I, I think it's become something that's a, a real part of your life, is like you not just focus on your own fitness, but like it's it became a part of your life. Like this, the the it's, is it cliche, you know, to say that like you've developed not just a fitness lifestyle, but it's become a big part of the purpose of your life, what you're doing now and the work that you do. Like, how did that evolution take place? Yeah, that's, I mean, you, you put it beautifully. It becomes bigger than us and it becomes bigger than just our own lives. And I think that that's one other way that we can kind of build that trust in ourselves. Uh, so it's a, it's not a selfish endeavor, but it's also something that helps with our own journey when we are there kind of on the front lines with other people who are going through it because we've been there. We've fought those battles and we've been in those same trenches 
And so we, we understand it. So for me, you know, I, again, this is like, it's like the same way that I never imagined that I would be, you know, putting on little tiny black shorts and spray tanning myself and standing on a stage. I never thought I would be, you know, helping other people to take control of their lives and their health. But it turned out that I was so moved and, you know, it made such a big impact in my life to do that for myself that I felt like I could not, I couldn't help myself from sharing that with other people. I couldn't just like not spread that feeling and that hope and that, you know, ability to trust ourselves to others because it was so important to me. And it really like, it made such a profound change in, in every area of my life. So that's when I realized that I was working as a commercial and industrial real estate agent and I was doing great. I was killing it, but I quit and I let my license lapse and I actually went back to school and studied nutrition and I wanted to know how everything works. And that way I would have a really good understanding of it so that I could help explain it to other people. And I then got certified through uh, NASM as a personal trainer, geez, back in 2011. So it's been a while. Um, and I started training people and helping them, you know, with their mindset and just everything. Because I realized that, you know, a lot of the trainers, which it's not a knock on them, but a lot of them do not understand the struggles of someone who has been obese for many years. It's just a different type of mindset. It's a different physical amount of struggles. And I knew that there were people out there who are in the shoes that I was in and that they could benefit the most from what I can do. So, you know, I did that and I actually started working as a personal trainer in a gym setting, like a small studio. And I've now, geez, I've, I've been doing this a while. I've worked at, you know, uh, the former Biggest Loser Resort. It had an ownership change and I worked there as the head of the strength and conditioning program there, which was also cool because I got to not just put people through, you know, strength workouts. I got to explain to them why we do it, why it's important so that when they go home, they can understand that and keep doing it and, and get the benefits of it. And, you know, it was so cool. I also got to share my story with the guests there. And, you know, so being able to train, wow, by now I've trained I basically from age 18 to 80, uh, all kinds of folks in person and then now virtually, it's been such a blessing because I feel like I learned so much from the clients and the people that I work with and their journeys and their stories that, you know, it's a two way street. Yeah, I'm imparting my knowledge and wisdom and, and experience on them, but I'm also getting a lot back from them. And it's just so cool to, to be, you know, like the catalyst for someone. And I know this is also like what you do, Gormy. So like, you know, that feeling when someone has that profound life change and you've been a part of it, I mean, there's really nothing better than that. It's, you know, it, it affects not just them, but everyone around them too. So. No, no and, I, and I think you're right. Like, I think there's something to, and 
and, and again, I don't say this to knock the, the, the trainers or the coaches that have never been 400 plus pounds. Like, you know, I think they're probably changing as many, if not more lives, you know, but I think there is something there that sometimes allows you to connect with a person and, you know, also I'm sure you can, can relate to, it also allows you to see through some of the bullshit, you know, it allows you to, you know, when I, I, I remember I have a friend who is, is a, is a coach and started working with, you know, super morbidly obese people I never really had before. And I could just see some of the things were, that were getting put past him. And I'm like, you know, you need to pay attention to this. Like that person is not necessarily being honest with you. And you can't just call someone a liar. You know, I'm not saying anything along those lines. But you can sometimes say, you know, okay, I get that, but I've done that. You know, so don't don't try to put that over on me. You know, don't, you know, even when I start the first conversation I have with a client, when they're like, well, I don't necessarily... I'm not really comfortable talking about the way I'm eating right now, you know, how I have been eating. And I said, look, you know, I've put it out there publicly on the internet, the number of Big Macs I used to eat at once. Like, I, I'm, you're never going to tell me a, a horror story that's going to they're going to shock me or scare me. I'm like, so go ahead, be honest, like, let it all out, like, let it be there. And, you know, I, I think there's, 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 there's a nice connection there that you can make with people sometimes when they're like, okay, especially like looking at all that you've done, you know, even what you've put into your education and developing this. And like now, you know, you're saying your, your NASM certification was 10 years ago. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they can look at you and see, and it doesn't mean that every person is, like you said, is going to want to put on a tiny black pair of pair of shorts, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll call them shorts to be, you know, right. give some conception, but, you know, put a spray tan on and get on a stage. But they can understand, you know, you you show people possibility so that they can see maybe some of the dreams that they're having that they've put to the way, let, let go by the wayside because of the life they were living and the choices they were making. They felt wasn't possible. You know, they felt they were stuck in that place you talked about being in and that this was destiny. This is where I'm going to be forever. You know, I'm not going to be able to make this change. Like just being able to show people that there's possibility, I think, is incredibly powerful. Absolutely. And, and that's why I think, you know, it's, it's been so interesting kind of like putting it, like, like you said, like putting it out there on the internet and like telling people like, Hey, this is what I used to do. This is what I'm doing now. And, you know, and I'm sure you've had this experience too. Like sometimes we will be the first people that are ever told something that people are just holding it back because they're so afraid of being judged. And they're so afraid that someone, you know, that they're going to say that they ate so-and-so and and that you're going to just be like, oh my God, you're a monster. And like, no, you're, you know, we are in that perfect place to be like, hey, I get it. I did the same thing. I did this, you know, like I, I'm with, I was probably next to you doing it, you know, like, and so I think that that's so powerful because people will see that, you know, they're not alone and that there are people who have genuinely gone through these same types of things and been able to come out on the other side of them, but not that we're looking down on them, but that we're understanding and that we go like, Hey, I was there. So I think that that's, I mean, with, with what I do, you know, and, and like I mentioned, I've trained every type of population that I can even imagine by this point, you know, from people who want to lose weight or get ready for a wedding or get stronger for a sport or, you know, uh, elderly people who want to be able to walk their dog safely, um, you know, 
but everyone can benefit from when you just kind of like explain to them, like, I get it. I know where you're coming from. And I've been in this type of situation too, even if it's totally different, there's a lot of, uh, you know, relatability there. And I think that's really important. And I think that's also kind of like what, you know, and I don't want to speak for you, but that's what kind of draws us into this kind of line of work because where else are you going to have, you know, if I'm selling someone a building to put their cold storage for their fish market, I don't get that kind of satisfaction. You know, it's just not, it's, it's not there. And and it's being able to offer that empathy, not sympathy, you know, like that's where I, I think you're, it, it's able to do it. It's not like you can look at someone and be like, wow, that is, you know, what you've been through and what you've done, you know, that, that really is tragic. And, you know, I feel bad for you, all of those things. It's more, you know, I had struggles too. You know, I went through these things and this is what I did. And, the, you know, you don't have to do exactly what I did, but let's talk about what you do need to do, you know, and helping people you know, kind of get to that place of saying, look, I can empathize with that, but I'm also not the person who's going to do it for you, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that's something else, you know, you can relate to as well. Like when you have to have that conversation about, like, I can tell you everything. You can give someone all the knowledge in the world, give them all the work, you know, lay out all these plans for them, lay out things for them, but they need to be the person to do it. And sometimes it's, it's finding the way to give them that spark to help light that fire for them. Oh yeah, Definitely. And, and that's, you know, one of the things is sometimes people will be under the impression that just hiring someone is enough. And I, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. I don't know what like gives them that idea. I think maybe there's some, you know, false promises out there that are, Hey, just pay this thing and just sign up and, and you're going to get where you want to go. But that's not the reality. And we know that. And, you know, if it was, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing and we wouldn't be in the position that we're in as a society where, you know, obesity has become such a prevalent issue, not just in adults, but in young people. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of, it's like what you said. It's like, we can teach them everything, but we cannot do the work for them. And that's, it's because it was the same for us. Right. Like it doesn't matter how many people told you when you were losing the weight that you have to do X, Y and Z. And if they're coming from a great place, whatever, you have to be the one to do it and you have to decide that you're worth that effort. And, you know, I think that's also part of being a good coach, at least in my experience, is to really kind of get people to understand that, like, they're worth the effort. They're worth, you know, that no matter how dark of a time they've been in, no matter how many Big Macs they were eating before, no matter what the, the, the hole that they have to come out of looks like, we can show them that they can do that. And I think that's like, I mean, I think it's the coolest damn thing in the world, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredibly rewarding to see someone set goals, smash those goals and set new ones and continue working and develop that work ethic that you know it's going to take. You know, you can see, and, you, and I'm sure you also know, you can, you can tell when you're working with someone whether they're actually building the sustainable habits they need or if they think they're putting in like that short term, I'm just going to make this quick change and hopefully that's going to fix everything without even kind of, without really digging in and doing the real work that they need to do. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, like they're white knuckling through whatever they can do. And, and it might work for some time, but there's, there's nothing like actually doing it and actually like, I mean, you got to face yourself. That's the biggest thing. And you have to build and it's hard because like, I mean, we talked about this earlier. You literally have to go from a place where you do not trust yourself to make the right decisions, to do what you have to do to improve your life and to, to get your health in order to, I mean, I don't want to say it's enlightenment, but it's to a point where you do trust yourself and you know that no matter what the day throws at you or what life throws at you, that you're going to be able to overcome it. And I was actually talking with someone about this a little bit earlier because they were asking me um, about this situation I was in. In 2016, I was diagnosed with cancer. And this was, I mean, I, this was eight years after starting this whole journey of my health and losing all the weight. And it just like, it blew me away. I'm like, what do you mean? Cancer? Are you serious? Like, do you want to double check? And you know, it was cancer. And it was one of those things where I said, okay, like I took about a week of feeling sorry for myself. How could this happen? Questioning everything. And then I'm like, you know what? It's here. This is the reality. I'm going to treat this just like any other obstacle and smash it. And like, I just set a date of when I was having my surgery I prepared for that surgery almost like it was a bodybuilding competition. I got into like the best shape I could and, and I showed up at, you know, at the hospital ready for battle. And, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, it's because I trusted myself. It's because I, and I think that that's kind of like a metaphor, you know, that obviously I hope knock on wood that nobody has these types of things happen to them. But life will throw some crazy shit at us out of nowhere. I mean, I was like, what, just, you know, cancer? I was, what, 28 years old, something like that, 29? And uh, it's about being able to fight back and to know that, like, we are fully capable and we have to believe in ourselves. Oh, and, and I think that's where you're right. Like, that's where that trusting yourself comes into play. Because it would have been very easy for you to go back to that place of doubt. Like, why did I do all Why did I try? Why did I even put this fight up if I'm just going to get knocked down? You know, why? Why? You know, and I know every person that faces a challenge along those lines or a diagnosis that they did not expect, that, that question comes up. But if you get stuck in that place, what, what good is that going to do? Like, where's... Where's the fight there then? You know, if you get stuck in that place of, well, was any of this I've done the past eight years worth it if this is now, you know, the road that I'm on? And I think instead, like going back to that place of trusting, you know, wait, no, like I, I know that fighting for myself is important. I know that I'm important. I know that, like you said, you know that you have worth and, and that means that you're worth fighting for. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's really the, the biggest kind of to take home that, you know, like I really want to kind of hammer it into people is that like, no matter how bad it gets and no matter how much you're suffering or how terrible the diagnosis or prognosis or food situation or, you know, financial, all of these things that, I mean, cause life is hard as hell for all of us, but 
we are worth fighting back and we are worth fighting for ourselves to to improve and you know it's not always going to be pretty and look cool on instagram and all that stuff that we see but the reality is that like some days just getting your ass out of bed and getting up and making some food or doing something you're fighting and that's what you have to do and it's you know i think it's just I could get so carried away with this, but I think that people really just need to see it and, and believe it for themselves. And that's that really big part of trusting yourself is like, you know, that no matter how bad it is, you're still going to keep showing up and you're still going to fight for that opportunity to, to get better. And it goes back to this idea of transformation. You know, it goes back to, there being kind of these crucible moments in our lives where we kind of have to decide, are we fighting? Are we not fighting? Are we giving up? Like, and clearly this is another obstacle that was put into your path, you know, going, going on five years ago now. How do you think that you transformed as a person through that experience? I mean, that was, it was life-changing again. You know, it was like, it was one of those things that, when I got that news that, okay, you have cancer and, you know, luckily, thank goodness, they were able to take it out. There was no spread, nothing like that. But when you hear that, you have to, you know, your natural excuse me, instinct is you just reevaluate everything in your life right on the spot. And it really made me so thankful for my health. And for all of the work that I did put in and continue to put in, because I know it's so fragile. I mean, and it was one of those things, you know, I said, is this because I was eating in a certain way before? Is that what, did I give myself cancer? Did, you know, was, I don't have any answers. And I had tons of questions. The doctors were sick of my questions. Uh, they didn't have answers for that either. And they said, look, it's basically just bad luck. And, you know, and that's the thing, bad luck. It could just hit. And we have to be prepared. And, you know, I will say there was about a week when I first got that diagnosis where I was sulking and I was like, uh, I ate a few too many California burritos. You probably, you know what those are. You're in San Diego. <laughs> um, but then I'm like, Hey, I got to get my shit together. Cause that's not going to help me. You know, that's not going to make me feel better or put me in a better place for whatever this next obstacle is. And so it really just made me like reevaluate everything. Um, at that same time, I was dealing with some family issues and, you know, just seeing like how fragile life really is, even when we're doing everything that we can to prolong it and to improve it, things will pop up and things can just get crazy. And I think that, that kind of, uh, it helped give me a little bit more perspective. And so let's, let's talk about your life now. Like, what is, what is Jordan's life like today in 2021? Um, well, oh, sorry, dogs barking. <laughs> I've, got, I've got two dogs. Um, no, life is great. I mean, we actually just got a place. Uh, we just bought our own place the first time. My wife and I got married at the end of 2019. 
um, right before COVID. So we got really lucky that I was going to say, got that, got that in under the wire. Yeah. Yeah. We were very blessed. Uh, you know, we had about 120 people, which was amazing. Uh, and again, it was something I never, ever, if you would have told me when I first started all this, like, yeah, you're going to end up marrying this beautiful girl who was your neighbor. I'd be like, you're on crack, go away. Um, (laughs) but you know, so, so that's been amazing. And I've just been working, you know, helping people with their transformations. Uh, the gyms are open again here in LA. So I've been going back to that and enjoying that. Uh, I actually started swimming for cardio, which is a hell of a workout and I'm terrible at it, but it's a really good challenge. You know, it's something new to try to get better at. And, uh, you know, I really, I have a life that is so fulfilling and so worthwhile. And to be able to every day, you know, my, my work and my livelihood is helping other people with their lives and their health. I mean, it's like, so it's the coolest thing on earth. Um, I'm so lucky that I get to do that and, and to get to have that connection. And also, you know, like, I know it might sound cliche and and I'm not like the best Instagram guy or whatever and social media, but to have like a community of people that I can talk to and interact with and, you know, check up on and, you know, people check on me like through the internet uh, is pretty amazing, you know? And if people do want to connect with you, you know, we're obviously we'll, when we get to the end of this discussion, we'll go over everything again. But where do, where do they find you? Like, what is your presence like, like in terms of people wanting to reach out and connect? Yeah, um, I am on everything uh, except TikTok. I haven't gone down that rabbit hole yet, but um, at the Fit Boss. So YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at the Fit Boss. And it's actually just... Uh, you know, it's a diary of sorts, but I try to put out information that can help other people and kind of like mindset things where, you know, I'll tell a story about something that I've experienced that a lot of people can relate to. And I think that it's really, uh, you know, from the messages and feedback that I've seen, it's, it's really helpful for a lot of people. So it's helpful for me to get it out there. I'm sure you, you get that too. Um, but you know, people are, moved by a lot of it. Um, I've done a few like pretty big transformation videos, uh, one with bodybuilding.com it has like, I think 8 million views or something like that. Um, yeah. So, you know, and it was, I've met people one time I got in an Uber in Florida and I start talking to the driver and he goes, Hey man, I watched your bodybuilding.com video. And like, that was really moving. And I was, I was blown away. I mean, I still am in touch with this guy. Um, but like, you know, it's so cool to be able through the internet to have that kind of reach where you can impact so many people positively. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I never would have imagined that, you know, any of that would be possible. Well, it it goes back to that idea that anything's possible, man, you know, and it's, it's just taking that kind of belief in yourself and that, that drive for it. Like, I, I'm curious, Jordan, like I know I've already been kind of taking your time already today, but I, I, I'm curious, like just some of your thoughts for that person out there listening who somehow maybe they came across this episode randomly or, you know, they were surfing, you know, iTunes and, and this podcast came up and they're in that place you were in 
going back to that 400 plus pound Jordan who felt like that was the light, that was all that life was going to be given you. Like, what would you say to someone who's in that position? That's a wonderful question. I, I would say obesity is not a life sentence and feeling that that was the only option is something that we create in our own heads. And it's very, very, way too easy to convince ourselves that it's the truth. And I think that being able to break free of that and understand that we are the masters of our own destiny and our health is the most powerful thing. Once that happens, it doesn't even matter how you get there, you know, and, and it really doesn't. It's just once you have that realization and you take that first step and it's like I took that first walk that it's going to start that snowball effect. And that doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect. You're going to want to quit. You're going to want to throw in the towel and go back to the way things were. But when you really have embraced that it is not a life sentence to be that way and to feel that way and to think that way, everything can change. And just like you said, anything is possible. I mean, look at, you know, look at what you've done. Look at what I've done. Look at what so many people who now share their, their transformation and journey have done. I mean, the possibilities are, are endless, really. And I think there's something scary there, you know, powerful and scary. Be when you get to that place of having to realize that you can take the wheel, like you can be the person in control, because that also means admitting that on some level you've been the person in control this whole time. You know, that idea that not just that you have the potential, the possibility to make change and kind of take control of your health and your eating and all of those different pieces. And, you know, we, we also know, like, I'm sure you would agree that it goes well beyond just even activity and eating. Like it goes to so many different areas of your life in terms of what you can, you have purview over. And sometimes like that's, that's terrifying because it just, it also means that it's in your hands. You know, the possibility is in your hands. No one else can do it for you. No one else can, you know, flip a switch and magically make things come forward. Like it, it is going to be you that has to do the work and you that has to make the right choices and you that has to make all these things happen. You know, the possibility is there if you're willing to grasp it. And it's like once you can get past that fear and get to that place of potential, that's when I think really the power starts flowing. It's when you start to realize, wait a minute, these things don't have power of me. Like I'm sure you hear it like all the time, even if you're just talking to people on Instagram, you know, I, someone says they feel so out of control. You know, everything, you know, I have no control over this. I have no control over that. And you sometimes have to push back a little bit and say, well, no one else is holding the fork. You know, no, no one else is, is, is making you click yes, that it's time for another episode on Netflix instead of getting up and grabbing your dog and going for a walk. You know, you're the person that's there that has to kind of take those reins. And it, it can be frightening because for a lot of us, we abdicated that responsibility for a long time. And when you finally do get to that place of saying, well, maybe what, what's possible if I do start to take that responsibility, if I do kind of admit the things that I've been doing and realize the things that I need to change? Oh, that's terrifying. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's something that can really put a hamper on a lot of people's efforts. Um, but once it's, it's almost, it's a double-edged sword, right? Once you embrace that, and yes, that does mean that 
you know, we are ultimately responsible for getting to where we start or where we are, but we are also ultimately responsible and have the power to get to anywhere that we want to go. And it's scary because it can mean a hell of a lot of work and a hell of a lot of change. And, you know, as humans, we're comfortable. We like to be comfortable. We want to just be in our routine. We want to, you know, just not change. I mean, and, and our bodies will fight change too. I mean, they want to stay where they are too, even if it's not in a good place. So, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's having that kind of ultimate responsibility where, you know, we could say it's this or that or genetics or environment or this. And, and a lot of those things are still factors. But in the end, I mean, you put it brilliantly, like nobody else is holding the fork to you. They're really, you know, and that's the reality. And, and if they are, you need to find a different living situation. But, you know, you know, realistically, like we are the masters of our own destiny. We can control ourselves, even if we don't feel like we can, even if we, we have convinced ourselves that otherwise we have that ability and we have that potential and, and it can be scary because it's like, shit, that means it's all on me, everything. And I think a lot of people are frightened. I mean, I was frightened by that idea. You know, I just, you know, we, we want to blame everything else of why we are, you know, experiencing what we experience. But when we kind of cut all that away, it's on us. Well, it's, it's because it's exciting to think that you could be responsible for your success. But that also means taking the flip side of that, that you have to take responsibility for your failure. And, and that's really hard. And that's, and it, it also, like, I also think, you know, and I, I'm not, I'm not turning this into an infomercial for either of us, but there are times where it's okay to say, I don't have the answers of what direction I need to go right now, but I know where I want to go. So does that mean I need to do some work? I need to learn. I need to teach myself or I need to find a resource that can help me. And sometimes that's another humbling moment of saying, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to find, you know, a way to help me with that. And, and I think you're really, you, you said something really early on about that idea of investing in yourself. Like when you said you, you picked up on a year of, you know, a year of personal training at once because you're making that financial investment. Like when you invest in yourself, Sometimes people relate more to money than they do to other things. Like, sadly, like, it's not just about, I can do this to, to change my health. It's like, no, I put some of my money on the line that I have to work hard for. And whether it's working with a coach or paying for a program or going to getting a certification, you know, okay, this is going to be X number of hours of my work. So maybe I'm, I'm going to invest, you know, I'm going to actually not just invest financially, but invest personally and in getting the most out of these opportunities that I'm putting in front of myself. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, that's kind of just a result of how our minds work and how society is kind of, you know, obviously money is important. And it's something that when we, when we have some skin in the game, when we've put some money in, it's, uh, it's a big factor to continue to show up and see it all the way through. And that's something that, you know, I've noticed it not only just like with people I work with, but in for ourselves, right? Like if I want to take, you know, I did this fitness nutrition specialist course and I pay and I sign up, 
I'm not going to slack. I'm going to read every single thing in that book. I'm going to take every test and I'm going to get the most information out of it and get as much out of it as I can. And I think that that's just kind of something that people are starting to kind of hold on to. And I think that's why it's kind of important to have something. And it also, it doesn't necessarily have to be money. It can be just accountability. You know, there's folks who will post on Instagram, right? Just like their food or their weigh-ins or, or weekly updates and things like that, because you're putting something in, you're putting and people are going to start looking at that and people are going to start expecting something and that's all fine and great, but it's because we expect it out of ourselves, you know, and that's the same thing is we put some money on the line. We expect that we're going to do what we have to do or do what we said we're going to do um, in order to get there. So, you know, when I did a bodybuilding competition, I didn't know how to get into that kind of shape and how to do the posing and how to, you know, do all that stuff. So I hired someone who did. And I listened to every single thing that guy said, even when he told me stuff that I was like, really? I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot and I'm going to ask for clarification and he's going to explain it to me. And it was actually a really cool experience because now I have more information, you know? Um, but you have to invest in yourself and whether that's financially or, you know, energy wise, time, effort, it, it has to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's an excellent point. I have one more thing that I kind of really want to talk to you about uh, tonight, man, that I think it's, is always important because we have this, this great resource of social media where people can share their journeys. And you hear people all the time talking about, you know, we share the highlight reels. We don't, we don't share, you know, sometimes the down and dirty and things along those lines. So I, you now have been on this journey you know, what are we, what are we looking at? Like 13, 14 years, man, you know, in terms of like where you've progressed, which is, is amazing. And I would just love to ask like what, and this is going to kind of bring it back down to a simple, like one simple focused topic. How do you, how do you define your relationship with food now? That's a great question. Um, my relationship with food, uh, if, if it was a Facebook relationship, it would say it's complicated, right? Uh, because food, it's one of the things that has taken me to so many different places in my life and had so many implications in my life. And I think that it's not, you know, to say like, oh, it's just fuel or, oh, it's just numbers or, you know, is, is being reductive. And I don't agree with that. And I know you've probably seen the meme. Uh, if you haven't, there's the meme of like Morpheus with the matrix and there's all, and it's like macros, you know, people who are counting, you could just, you don't see food anymore. You just see numbers. Right. And like, yes, to a certain degree. And I mean, I've been doing tracking food and all that for forever. So I do, you know, I look at food and I see numbers, but I also see it as food. And I think that that's important. You know, food is used for celebration it's used for a lot of different things and to just say like, Oh, it's just nutrients. It's just what you're, you know, it's just the energy that's coming into your body that you're going to use or store or whatever is doing it a disservice. So I think food is complicated and it's wonderful and it can be the most amazing and also the most damaging thing that we can put in our bodies. Um, 
So yeah, it's, yeah, it's complicated. Yeah, no, and, and I think it's a great answer. Like I, I bring that up because I think sometimes people look at individuals that have made you know amazing transformations and think that that relationship with you know because the relationship with food is where it starts for a lot of people, especially those people on a weight loss journey. They think that for some reason you eventually get the one answer, and the one answer is the only answer you need for the rest of your life. And I, I think talking about it is complicated and nuanced and at times wonderful and at times still challenging, I think is important for people to hear so they know that you can still transform and still kind of have this relationship that is always going to be something that is challenging but exciting and, you know, have all these different facets to it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's, it's still going to be open-ended no matter how much success you've had, no matter how many, you know, how many accolades you have or how big of a transformation, how drastic it's, it's the reality is anyone who tells you otherwise is lying, I think. And, um, you know, that's also what's kind of cool about it because we're always, we're still learning. We're still finding out things of how we respond, how other people respond. There's just so much out there and I think it's kind of fascinating to to examine that relationship with food and not be afraid of it and not think, you know, like like what you said is so true that people think like that you're just done, you know, oh, you've transformed, like you have the answer to what what is food, what is the relationship. It's It's like, no, that's not how it works. You probably have more questions once you've had a transformation. And I think that's kind of a beautiful thing. I, I definitely agree, man. So knowing that you're not at a finish line of any kind, mm-hmm. what's next for Jordan? That is a wonderful question. <laughs> I've, uh, I've been toying with a few different ideas for this year. Uh, it's been a crazy year, though. So, you know, just like moving and getting a place has been taking up a lot of energy and time. Um, but I, I believe we're going to probably do a half marathon this year. Uh, they've pushed it to, I believe it's in October or November, so hopefully it won't be scorching hot here in L.A. Um, and I, I was thinking about putting those little black shorts on again at some point and, you know, getting a spray tan. But, uh, but yeah, you know, as far as, like, physically what's next, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I am continuing to work on, you know, my strength. I've got certain goals, uh I'm working on squatting 405 for 10 with no belt. So I'm, I'm getting close. And, uh, you know, just things that, it, you know, it's great. Like people on Instagram will like it or whatever. But, like, it's for me because I set that goal and I'm like, I want to see if I could do it. Um, and although I've got – I've seen women who could do it, which is incredible to me. I mean, it's absolutely – I'm so, so blown away by how strong some people are. But that doesn't make it any less cool when I hit that target. So, you know, I, I have uh, I have a lot of aspirations, and I think I'm just going to keep, you know, working on a new routine and and plugging away really, and and other you know helping other people. Um, every year, I just make a goal to help as many people as I can in their own transformations. Uh, I don't really have a running tab, but I know it's a lot. <laughs> um, and I, th- I think that's something that is still very important to me. That That's not going anywhere. Awesome. Well, Jordan, I have 
I, I've got some ending questions that I ask every guest, but before we get there, I just want to say a big thank you for taking the time to talk with me and also share your experience and your story with the audience of the Fat Guy Forum. Oh man, it's, it's my pleasure. I mean, you, you're awesome. So I'm really glad that we had a chance to do this so far. It's been, it's been fantastic. Well, thank you. And, and again, like, I just really appreciate that. And so Jordan, I end every episode with five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through those questions? Let's go. Okay. So question number one, Jordan, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Ooh. I got to say Chris Farley. Mm. Yeah. It's, a, it's an He's, answer I hear a lot, but it's a, it's a well-deserved answer, I think. Yeah. I mean, I just, there were so many great, mm-hmm. you know, moments of his. And I just remember watching certain parts of his SNL stuff mm-hmm. so many times. It's just fantastic. Well, I think he just, he threw himself into it, you know, mm-hmm. his heart and his whole body, you know, at oh, times. Yeah. Like, there's just, there's, there was something passionate, you know, and that, I think that's why he's another one of those flames that burned out too fast. Like, Mm-hmm. because he threw everything in there uh, right totally and and i could see why a lot of people would would bring him up because no, i mean sure. it, it's just the first one that comes to mind mm-hmm. definitely there we definitely. go question number two jordan what is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you not to judge people for their appearance mm-hmm. i mean i had a certain appearance and people judge me for it all the time and based on that i know never to judge anyone based on their appearance because just a quick look or a long look or whatever does not tell you shit about a human being and who they are and mm-hmm. how they are in the world and what their heart and soul is like. So don't judge people by their appearance. I like it. Question number three, and I, I have a feeling I know is what the answer to this might be, but if someone out there is listening to this this episode, Jordan, and they want to make, they want to get their journey started. What is one concrete thing they can do today? Go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Go for a walk. Um, if you're able to. And if you're not, to find some kind of a modality that you can exercise in some way, mm-hmm. uh, any kind of movement, you know. Th- technology now is incredible, so I think there's so many options out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just get moving is definitely it. There we go. Jordan, question number four. Tell us what is one thing about yourself that you love? I'm very passionate and, and very caring, and I love that. It can be a detriment sometimes when I care too much about mm. certain things, but uh, I, I think that it's it's something I love. Awesome. And question number five, Jordan, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Um, for next year, I know this might sound crazy. I want to get a surgery for my dog, Ruby, mm-hmm. so that she can breathe better. Nice. And so we're looking into different uh, doctors and things like that. I want to give her a better life. Nice. And yeah, she deserves it. You could probably hear her snoring through this whole mm. episode. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll keep it in there if they can hear it. You know, oh, people okay. like people like hearing the dogs yeah. during these episodes. No, yeah. I like it, man. That's awesome. So, Jordan, I want to say a big thank you one more time. Tell the people I'm going to put the, your links in in the show notes, but tell people one more time where they can find you if they want to connect. Sure. So you can find me at the Fit Boss, all one word: T H E F I T B O S S. 
I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. Uh, YouTube, which I should update more. Mm. But please reach out. I love talking to people, helping people. And, you know, this, this is why I'm out here on the Internet doing all this. So the more the merrier. And as I said, all of that will be there. So, y'all, you know, you're going to want to check out you know, what Jordan's putting out there now. And then also just some of like, he's talking about some of those, some of those videos are, you need to get fired up, check out that, even though the bodybuilding.com video, 8 million views, you know, it needs 8 million more because I think there's, Thank you. that'll definitely light a fire under some people's butts. Still. Totally. Uh, oh man. I was crying that whole weekend. Oh, That's I bet. Great. I bet. If you want to see me crying, mm. go to that video. <laughs> there you go. So now go check that out to, to, to see the inside scoop on, on Jordan. Let some tears out. And everybody, if you want to connect with me, you can do that as well on Instagram at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can follow me on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. And you can also email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. I will remind you that if you are listening, especially on an Apple device, please rate the show. Please give it a review. That helps get us in front of more people. And, you know, more people see stories like Jordan's and the other amazing men that have been on this show. And I would just really appreciate that. And then remember... Go out there and do something today to amaze yourself because you, my friends, are the most amazing people that I know. And then come on back and catch us on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Mm-hmm.